Hello guys and girls and welcome back to another episode of Seb Talks Sports, sponsored by Hoopin and Lutin, the place to go to for your favourite new and vintage jerseys and apparel from all things basketball. Today I've got a brilliant guest on Seb Talk Sports, one of the most influential figures in NFL history who officiated for over 30 seasons in the league and refereed some of the most memorable games of all time, including 10 championship games and 3 Super Bowls. It's 15-time Pro Football Hall of Fame nominee and the Dean of NFL Referees himself, Jim Tunney. Enjoy! My guest today is one of the most influential NFL figures of all time. A man who officiated for more than three decades in the league, including 10 championship games and three Super Bowls, as well as some of the most memorable games in the sport's history. It's an absolute honour to welcome the Dean of NFL Referees himself, Mr. Jim Tunney, to Seb Talk Sports. Jim, how are you today? Zeb, I'm doing fine. Thank you for the opportunity to talk with you. Go ahead. You're very welcome. Thank you very much for joining me today. Let's get into it. Okay, so I want to start right back at the very beginning. What are your earliest memories of football and when did you fall in love with the sport? My dad was a football official and he did here in California mostly. And so when I was about five, six years of age, I would go to the game with him. I didn't know much about the football at the time, but it was fun to go to the stadium. And I got to say that one day, I got in Pasadena Rose Bowl, I got to sit alongside of Jackie Robinson. Mm. One of the famous athletes in American history in football. Yep. And of course, in baseball, as he broke the colored line in 1947. But I knew Jackie about 1939 when he was about, oh, he's about 19 years of age. I was nine or 10. But I've been going to football games since I was five or six. So I've, football has been my life uh, forever. That's amazing. That's amazing to hear. Okay, so now a lot of us know what an NFL referee's responsibilities are on the field, but I'm sure the vast majority have no idea what goes on behind the scenes in terms of preparation for the role, which I imagine is just immense. So could you please take us through a day in the life of an NFL official on game day? Well, it's a busy life. It's uh, now a video replay and a digital thing Why the officials get a, a DVD regularly from the league office and look at this play, look at that play, look at this game. And this is the official did this correctly. Watch the mechanics that he did. Mechanics means the positioning, where the official was on the play. And a lot of times you'll say, well, the official was right there and he didn't see it. Why did he call it foul? Well, he wasn't in the position the camera was. He was in another position. Sometimes you can't see it. Mm. In fact, I use this example a lot. You've seen a magician with cards and take the cards and move them back and forth. And you're sitting five feet from him, and he does his card trick, and you say, how do you do that? <laughs> I'm looking right at it. How do you do that? That happens to officials too. They look right at the play, and somehow they don't see it. As it's called unintentional blindness. It does happen. It happens to everybody. You have an accident at the corner, and the blue car hit the white car, and the policeman comes and says, what happened? You said, the white car hit the blue car, it's backwards. You're looking right at it and you don't have, have the right thing. It happens to officials too. But the mechanics of the officiating are very important. Be in the right place at the right time to make the right call. Very, very interesting. So you, you're watching film a lot like the players are as well. Watching films a lot because you want to see the positioning of the official during that play. You don't care about whether the player caught the ball or not. 
You don't care whether he was in the inbounds or inbounds. If you're not in the right position, you're not going to make the right call. All week long, you're busy looking at film. Where was the fish on this play? And where would I be in that play? Looking at position is very, very important, as I mentioned. But it's important that you also know what to call. You know, these linemen are so big and strong. An offensive lineman can lift probably 450 pounds. Defensive lineman, maybe 290. The offensive lineman can actually lift him off the ground. And the defense, the same way. They can lift the offensive player off the ground. So you got to be careful that you, you don't call holding when it's not really holding. It's just maybe blocking. And that distinction sometimes is very fine and very minuscule. The officials miss it a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very interesting. Okay, so I want to fast forward to the 23rd of October, 1960. The LA Rams play host to the Chicago Bears at the Coliseum in week five of the regular season in front of nearly 48,000 fans. And after being called up to join the NFL, join their officiating staff, this was your first ever game in your 31 years in the league. And you had the pleasure of coordinating with the two head coaches on the day, Hall of Famers Bob Waterfield and George Hallis. So what are your memories from that day and how was it dealing with two all-time greats and those two men? To meet George Hallis that day was a, a wonderful honor for me. I was about 31 years of age. I was the youngest official ever hired in the NFL. When I walked on the field that day at Coliseum, the, the Chicago Bears had taken the train from Chicago to Los Angeles. That's how old-fashioned it was. <laughs> Planes weren't in use at that time. They had them, but it was much cheaper, and George Hallis was very aware of this. It's much cheaper to go by train from Chicago to Los Angeles. They'd come by train. I walked down the field. To, I'd never seen Mr. Hallis except in the pictures. Never met him personally. Walked up to him and I said, Mr. Hallis, I'm the field judge. My name is Jim Tunney and I need to get your captains. He said, Tunney, Tunney, oh yeah, I know who you are. You went to Occidental College and you played football and you played basketball and you played baseball. He knew me better than I knew him. <laughs> <laughs> he had done his homework on the official. Wow. Who does he got that day? He got a rookie named Jim Tunney. So my first time, it's kind of like meeting Thomas Edison. You know, he started this game. He founded this game. He was so well respected by players and coaches and owners because he invented this game. So he got out. He was after officials. He you made a bad call. He lets you know. He <laughs> he, he came after you. He was uh, he was angry at you. So. You had to be sure that you're on the ball. So he brought that uh, out of you. And I think players did the same thing. Absolutely. Very well said. Okay, so another incredibly notable day for you was the 16th of January, 1972. The Cowboys with Tom Landry and Roger Storback face off against the Dolphins with Don Shula and Bob Greasy at Tulane Stadium in New Orleans in Super Bowl VI. Dallas's heavy favourites pulled away as 24-3 winners, but the man holding the whistle throughout was none other than Mr. Jim Tunney, yourself. This was your first of three Super Bowls as referee. Of course, the Super Bowl is unlike any other game. So do you remember how you felt when you learned you were bestowed that honour of refereeing your first ever Super Bowl? When I received the call from Art McNally, I was very, very thrilled to get the first Super Bowl. And I was uh, only 42. I was uh, the youngest referee ever to work referee of a Super Bowl. I was wow. 32 years of age. And that day in, in New Orleans, and we didn't have a Superdome, we played in Tulane Stadium. Mm -hmm. It was 29 degrees in January in New Orleans. It was <laughs> freezing cold. And I had a cold the night before, and I wasn't feeling very well. but. Had to go out there 
and it worked for Don Shula on one side and Tom Landry. Now, Don Shula has become a really good friend of mine over the years. He passed away just a year or so ago. But at that time, I didn't know him at all. And he was a up-and-coming young coach. And he lost the game. And when he went in the locker room after the game, the players were all sitting there. Nick Bonacani, Bob Greasy, Larry Zonka, Paul Warfield, they were all sitting there. And she said, I want you to remember how you feel right now. Because it's terrible to lose, and we're not going to lose another one. And the next year, what did he do? He won 17 in a row and set the record for for the NFL. So yep. I kid him a lot over the years. I would say it was my doing because you lost, you, and you blame me, but, but you now went out and, and inspired your players to set an NFL record of 17 in a row. So yeah. You, you did, yeah. Absolutely. Only unbeaten team still to this day throughout the whole season. So, um, yeah, very, very special team. Okay. So like everyone does in day-to-day work life, NFL officials make mistakes. I mean, we all do. And one of your memorable on-field mistakes came in an Eagles-Cowboys matchup when a fast whistle from yourself nullified a Dallas fumble that Philadelphia picked up and returned for a touchdown. And with Eagles head coach Ed Kyatt going crazy on the sidelines, you apologized for the blunder, which he later accepted. So I'd love to know during a game and thereafter in the week following it, I know you've talked about what's film before how do you both mentally and physically recover from making mistakes as an NFL official it's a good question is that uh, what happened is I blew the whistle and killed the play and Eagles went and scored and I went over to the coach Ed Kayak I was just 10 about 10 feet from him when I blew the whistle I just walked over and I said coach I kicked it I blew the whistle you don't have a touchdown and he told me later he said you know you could have told me he said to me anything the fact that you admitted that you made a mistake. I made mistakes. My players make mistakes. We all make mistakes. He said, so don't worry about it. It's over. But that's what I have to do as soon as I make a mistake on the field. As soon as I make a call, I've got to forget about that call and go on to the next one. Don't let it linger in your mind because you're gonna, your mind is going to be messed up from, from that call for the future. So be sure that once you make that mistake, even if you don't know that you made a mistake, Whatever call you make, forget about it and go on to the next one. It's important that you're mentally ready for the next play. Absolutely. Well said. Okay, so I want to talk about one very special moment in particular, because in addition to 29 postseason assignments, 10 championship games, and three Super Bowls, you've officiated some of the most notable games and plays in NFL history, including, but not limited to, the field goal, the ice bowl, the kick, the famous 1979 AFC Championship game, Houston and Pittsburgh, of course, the 100th game, the fumble, the fog bowl, and one I'd love to hone in more on, the catch. So, for people that don't know, in the 1981 NFC Championship game, as the 49ers hosted the Cowboys, 58 seconds left in the fourth quarter with San Francisco down by six a very special man called Joe Montana rolls out right and finds Dwight Clark for the go-ahead score to put them into Super Bowl 16 where they defeated the Bengals and just after the play you can see the Hall of Fame quarterback look up to you from the ground so what did Montana say to you immediately after that incredible play and did you ever think it would turn into be this phenomenon that it is 40 years later let me say first of all you've done your homework very well you know the play you know the down and distance you know the conditions and that that's really great some of the things I don't remember, right? Because I forget <laughs> Montana against the Cowboys. It was always a fight. And uh, they only had 45 seconds left. And Montana went over to uh, Bill Walsh, the coach of the 49ers. And Walsh said, throw the ball to Freddie Solomon. He's our go-to guy. So Montana took the snap, rolled to his right, 
didn't find Solomon. Solomon was covered, but he did see Clark in the back of the end zone. And he threw it, and Clark leapt up in the air and grabbed, he got it for the touchdown. Montana didn't see it happen because Tutal Jones had flattened him, knocked him down. So he's laying on the ground, he looks up at me, and I'm looking down at him because I want to see if it's a clean hit from Tutal Jones to, to Montana. I looked down at him and Clark and Montana Jones, and he said, What happened? I said, You threw it in the stands. <laughs> he said, What? I said, no, no. I said, DC, we call him Dwight Clark. DC, DC called for touchdown. You're ahead now, 28 27. So it was a fun time. Montana and I have known each other for a long time. So we had a, a good time kidding back and forth on, on that play. That's a, a brilliant story. If he hadn't, he hadn't caught it, it was over, and Dallas would have won the game. So it, made, it was a big play. Yeah, absolutely. That's why it's got this very special name, of course. And obviously, you were boots on the ground, getting that right in front of uh, in front of thousands of people. So that was a very, yeah. very cool day for yourself. Okay, so I want to fast forward a little bit. It's been 31 calendar years since you retired as an NFL official. And in that time, the style of football being played, the speed of the game, and the immense coverage the league receives, not only on TV, but across social media, has all changed dramatically. Like we talked about earlier, referees will always make mistakes. But in recent years, it feels that the NFL has been accused more than ever with a poor level of officiating. So I'd love to know, why do you think this is? And are you happy with the changes the league has made, such as bringing in the replay system? Well, the replay system was a good thing when it started, Jeff. And I think they're using it too much now. Hmm. I think overusing it. Mistakes we made, as you said earlier, players drop passes, quarterbacks throw interceptions. Throwing a pass is a, there's only three things that can happen, and two of them are bad. <laughs> one of them is interception, and one the other is completion. The third one is a catch, but the two of them are, are bad things that happen. So players make those mistakes, and a player, you know, I, I said to, um, Chris Berman one time when he was asking about mistakes efficient make, I said, did you see the Monday night game? He said, yeah. I said, did you hear what Joe Theismann said? He said, he must have misread the coverage. I said, what do you mean misread the coverage? Here's a full-time quarterback. That's all he does all day long, every day of the week, seven days a week, plays on Sunday. All, all he's doing is reading coverages and he misread the coverage. How's that happen? What mistakes are going to happen? And the people understand that officials, officials hate to make mistakes. They hate to know that the call they made may have had a difference in a play or a touchdown or a game. If they go home after the game on a Sunday night, there are many times I got on the airplane to fly home and think, did I get every play right? In fact, Zeb, my manta, the thing that I believe in, the thing that I think about every time, when I walk off that field, I say to myself, did I need this game better than I thought? If I did, then I feel good. Sometimes I sit there and play and think, ooh, I'm not sure about that call, about this play, about that holding, about that intentional grounding, about that pass interference. I want to get every play 100% right. And uh, sometimes it doesn't happen. And yet, if you feel bad about it, then nothing you can do is over. Yeah, well said. Jim, I'd love to end with some quick fire questions. You ready? Sure. Let's do it. Okay. Favorite food? Chocolate ice cream. Chocolate ice cream is a good answer. I love chocolate ice cream, though. Okay. Dogs or cats? Probably cats. We've got cats, yeah. There we go. Okay. Your favorite sports movie? I love sports movies. Probably Field of Dreams. If you saw that with Kevin Costner, it was a very important movie for me because I, uh, I used to play catch with my dad in the front yard, and I wanted to play professional baseball. My dad had played one year of professional baseball. 
So he knew what to do. And at the end, when Kevin Costner was playing catch with his dad, I thought that was me and my dad. It was very sentimental for me. Absolutely. Great to hear. Do you remember your first car? My first car for mine, for me, was a 1947 Ford Coupe. Small family. My dad was a teacher, and I never had a car, so I would borrow his car when I got to be 16. I could learn to drive. I borrowed his car. In freshman at Occidental College, my dad came to my practice one day. I wondered why he came to the practice, and after the game, he walked out, and he had a car in the parking lot for me. He bought me a brand new 1947. I started working when I was 12, and every time I got paid, I gave my paycheck to my dad. He said, give it to me. I'll invest it for you. I'll keep you off. So I'd come and ask him for 50 cents, like I was asking him for a million dollars. It was a, well, what do you want it for? What's the only you can do with a lot of questions and answers? I said, just give me the money. It's my money. So he ended up getting a, a new car out of it and when I was a freshman in college because I needed some way to get to school. So that was my first and my favorite car, too. Brilliant stuff. Okay, the best player you've ever had the pleasure of refereeing a game for? Hard to say. I mean, with all, all the people that I've seen, you know, I started with Bart Starr and John United. Mm-hmm. People nowadays don't even remember those quarterbacks. They always think of Tom Brady and Joe Montana, but you go back to those guys. Walter Payton, running backs. I worked games for Jim Brown, uh, the Cleveland Browns, who's mm-hmm. considered one of the greatest running backs ever. To pick Jim Brown over Walter Payton, I got to see Jim Brown probably the best athlete I've seen, and, and he can do anything. He played lacrosse when I went to college, and he was a very good lacrosse player, all-American lacrosse player, as a matter of fact, at Syracuse. There's so many there, I, I would be wrong to, to pick one athlete over the other. That's very fair. Do you have the greatest offensive play you've ever seen as an official? I talk about a play the Chicago Bears had when uh, Gail Sayers was playing mm-hmm. Chicago Bears. And my job as a referee is to watch the quarterback. So Billy Wade was the quarterback, and he took the snap from center and pitched it out to Gail Sayers. And Gail started around the right end and just then a hole opened up between the guard and the tackle. And Sayers planted his right foot and 90 degrees turned and shot up to the line of scrimmage. A linebacker came to catch him, reached out, and clotheslined him. Gail Sayers hurled it like Carl Lewis and went on a Whoa, that's a great play. What a great move for Sarah's. I thought, oh, who's watching my quarterback? I better turn and do my job and watch the quarterback. I remember that so well. I've seen so many great catches, so many great runs, so many great passes. It's, uh, I, I go to a football game and I sit there and cross my arms. I don't yell, I don't scream, I don't cheer for anybody. I just watch the game. I'm 93 years of age. I've been there all my life. I love watching the game. Absolutely. Have you got a great defensive play you've ever seen while on the field? Oh, I've seen linebackers come and tackle quarterbacks, and the quarterback gets away, and the linebacker chases him to catch him. Can a linebacker run that fast and do that well? <laughs> and I've seen many of those sacking of the quarterbacks. They weren't done viciously. They were done in the spirit of the game. Great athletic moves. Absolutely. Single favorite memory on the field as an official, if you could choose one. Probably in 1939, when my dad was refereeing for Pasadena Junior College, and I sat next to him, met Jackie Robinson. Now, he was 10 years older than I was. 
because he was about 19, I was about nine, and my dad introduced me to him, and, and I thought that to meet a guy who's come, be, done the things that Jackie's done, like, it's amazing. But I was mean, so lucky, so fortunate to be with uh, with all those quarterbacks and all those coaches, and you didn't even coach in the NFL as far back as you could go, and I was there on the field with them. I was in charge. Well said, well said. Okay, and finally, what is your favorite element of the sport of football? Referring three Super Bowls and one of the Super Bowls, and you won't remember this name, but Red Grange is an old-time football player, old-time football player. And he tossed the coin for Super Bowl XII in New Orleans and to meet people like that. I met so many wonderful people. I worked for, for the NFL for 29 years for Pete Rozelle. He was my boss for 29 years. To meet, meet people like that work with people like that, work with players and coaches. It's a wonderful opportunity for me. Fantastic. Very well said. Jim, thank you so much for your time today. It's been the absolute honor having you on my show. Where can people find you online and check out your website? The website is jimtunney, T-U-N-N-E-Y, jimtunney.com. My email is jim at jimtunney.com. And that email goes worldwide, as you know. So thank you for the opportunity to be with this player. You've done your homework very well. I like working with a guy like you who knows what he's doing. Thank you very much. That means a lot to me. Thank you again, and have a wonderful day. Thank you, Zeb. Good luck. And there he goes, the fantastic Mr. Jim Tunney, an incredible man with endless brilliant stories from his time on the field in the NFL as an official. From the famous ice bowl to the sheer brilliance of the catch, there really wasn't many all-time games and plays that Jim didn't oversee. Such an influential figure in the sports history. If you'd like to keep up to date with Jim's continued work, then you can do so by checking out his website or dropping him an email. All the links you need are in the description of this episode. I've got many more great guests coming very soon, so stay tuned right here on Seb Talks Sports. Catch you soon, guys. 